You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Yeah, I mean, life is, life is really hard. Sometimes it's harder than others. I mean, we go through stuff. We experience difficulty. You're dealing with the big three, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, it's three against one. No, it's not. It's three against the one. I like those odds better. This life can throw some pretty hard curveballs. You will easily find yourself overwhelmed when you try to face the world, your flesh, and Satan on your own. But as Pastor J.D. encourages us in today's message, there is good news. Jesus Christ is the one going to bat for you, and nothing and no one is a match for him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 119 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. If you're anything like me, and I would suspect that you are, it would seem and it sounds like the psalmist is in complete desperation here. And he's crying out to God, and he's pleading with God, and he's begging God to help him, to comfort him. Why? Because it seems that he's on the receiving end of persecution. He's being mistreated. They're treating him wrongly. They're persecuting him. And it seems as if it was so bad that he's even crying out to God saying, this is going to be how it ends. You've got to do something, God. You've got to help me. I don't know how much more of this I can take. He had been brought to the end of himself. And thankfully, the psalmist knows what every single one of us should know and do. Not just know it, but do it. Just because you know something doesn't mean you're going to do it. What the psalmist knows is that in times like this, he can turn to the Word of God when he faces such intense persecution. He can turn to the Word of God and the God of the Word. And by the way, you don't hear this preached much today, but proportionate to how we live godly, so too will we be persecuted. You say, well, I'm not really persecuted. And by the way, let's qualify what persecution is, okay? Some of the things we try to put under the category of persecution for righteousness sake, it's not persecution, it's life. It's just life. You're not being persecuted, it's just you live in a fallen world, and you're fallen, and that's what's happening. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy in his second epistle. Chapter 3, verse 12. 
In fact, I don't like that word fact, it's, it's very definite. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I wish it said this, I wish it said, you know, you want to live godly, you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, there's a good chance, you know, by chance, that you might experience some persecution. It doesn't say that. It says, no, you will. And notice how it is the one who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. You're going against everything and everyone in this world. And it's increasingly more difficult in these last days as the world continues to wax more and more evil seemingly with each passing day. But, you like where I put the but on that? But God, but God. I think about what Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but, I'm really starting to like this word. (laughs) I hope you are too if not my apologies, but we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, John 16, verse 33. This to me is, ah, how do I say it, the fine print of Christianity. Full disclosure, if you will. Just so that you're not caught off guard or become disillusioned when, not if, things in life happen and life gets hard. Jesus said it like this, in this world you will, not my, not it's possible, no, you will have trouble, trials, tribulation. Here comes that word, you know, you know it's coming, right? But, (laughs) be of good cheer. Cheer up, be encouraged. You want to know why? Because I have overcome the world. I just don't want you to be disillusioned. I, I want you to understand that the Christian life is a hard life. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. You're going to go through stuff. And boy, doesn't life have stuff? The Christian life is a hard life. Again, I know I say this, but it's just kind of cute and I kind of love it. My daughter knows the answer to the question, Baba, how's life? (laughs) Life's hard, but... God is good. Yeah, I mean, life is, life is really hard. Sometimes it's harder than others. I mean, we go through stuff. We experience difficulty. You're dealing with the big three, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, it's three against one. No, it's not. It's three against the one. I like those odds better. It's not the devil, the flesh, and the world against me. No. 
Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's overcome the world. So yeah, life's hard, but he overcame all of that. And I love how Paul says it. We're not just conquerors, you'll forgive the paraphrase here. It's like he's saying, listen, so we understand, we're not just conquerors. I mean, that would be enough, right? In all fairness, right? To say, hey, in Christ we are conquerors. Praise the Lord. No, it's better than that. We are more than conquerors. Oh, I'll take that. In other words, I'm not just a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. And the reason I'm more than a conqueror is because Jesus the Christ conquered the world, overcame the world. And what am I worried about again? What's my problem again? What am I struggling with again? Are you kidding me? I was today listening to a great teaching. I just, man, I love this teaching. I don't know how many times I've listened to it. I've actually lost count. It's basically, here's the gist of it. It's letting go so that God can do what God's going to do. You've heard it said like this, let go, let God. I don't like cliches, but it is so true. So here's the, the teaching in a nutshell. So you've got Moses's mother, right? And now Pharaoh, this demon-possessed Pharaoh, I mean satanically possessed to wipe out all of the Hebrews. And so all of the Hebrew boys are to be cast into the Nile River to their certain death, save one. His name, Moses. And here's his mother, and she makes this basket, this ark, if you will, and she places her baby in that basket and places him in the Nile River and lets go. But God (laughs) just so happened to have the daughter of Pharaoh, who just, I mean, presumably in the middle of the day, all of a sudden just has this thought, you know what, I need to go take a bath. Kind of, you know, so she goes and she bathes in the Nile at the perfect exact time that this baby is there floating in this basket. And as God would have it, she sees the baby and falls in love with the baby and takes the baby. And it it even gets better. Without knowing that it's the mother, she sees the mother. And Miriam, the older sister, goes back to see what's going to happen. And as only God can, Pharaoh's daughter has the mother of Moses, says, hey, would you nurse this baby? Oh, sure, why not? I'm in the area. And then it's like, we'll we'll even pay you. Okay, if you insist, you know. Here's the point. God could not do anything until she let go. As long as she held on to her baby, she's full of fear. All they have to hear is my baby crying, and he's dead. He's dead. 
And so she's nursing and fretting and fearing and worrying until she lets go. Okay, God. <laughs> and, he, and picture God in heaven looking and saying, okay, uh, can I do what I want to do now? <laughs> See, as long as you're holding on to it, trying to figure it out, work it out, I can't do anything. It's hands off for me. You have to let go of the thing, <laughs> whatever that is. You just need to let go. And until and unless you do, God can't do what God's going to do. Until that time. And as soon as you do, wow. I mean, it's like, I can, you'll forgive the humorous, I hope it's not irreverent, but I just picture God in heaven going, all right, watch me now. I'm going to make that daughter of Pharaoh the very one that commanded that all of the Hebrew boys be cast into the Nile to their certain death. I'm going to make her stinketh. <laughs> so she has to take a bath at the exact time. And when she sees that baby, she's going to fall in love with that baby, and she's going to want that baby for her own. And that baby, and by the way, named Moses, taken out of the water, would become the deliverer, a type of Jesus Christ, a deliverer of God's people, as only God can. You know, replete throughout Scripture, you have so many of these miraculous, amazing turn of events. I was thinking about the book of Esther again. i got to be careful, because whenever I think about the book of Esther, I like to just talk about that whole book, and then we won't get through our study tonight. But what an amazing turn of events as only God can. He takes an impossible situation. I mean, you're pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 89, forever, O Lord. I love this, man. Your word is settled in heaven. It's not unsettled, it is settled in heaven. That's it. Your faithfulness, verse 90, endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law, verse 92, had been my delight, and here it is again, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me, to destroy me. You see that next word? <laughs> okay, this should be the last time. No promises, but we'll just say that this is probably the last time we're going to do this tonight. But <laughs> I will consider your testimonies. Again, just indulge me. I, I will consider your testimonies, but the wicked wait for me to destroy me. No, 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 you got it backwards. Yes, the wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation 
of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Okay, let's kind of drill down in this section. It's very interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is where the psalmist in verse 89 says that your word is settled in heaven. Now why is this interesting and why is this so important? It's important because the heart of the psalmist is settled. Why? Because the word of God is settled in heaven. Hey, the word of God is settled, so that settles me. See, I'm unsettled, especially in this affliction that he again makes reference to. We don't know what it is, and that's a good thing. Because whatever that is in my life that is so unsettling, here's what I can do, and where, here's where I can turn. I can turn to the Word of God, and the Word of God is settled in heaven. That settles me. Just settle my heart, Lord. Settle my heart. In verse 92, he basically says that had it not been for him delighting in the settled word of God, he would have perished in his affliction. You know, when you're reading the word of God, sometimes I do this all the time. And I have to catch myself because it can just be words on a page. You know how it is sometimes when you're reading the Word of God, and you'll just kind of read past something and just miss the entirety of it and the intensity of it. And such is the case with this section here. When you hear the psalmist talk about his affliction, and he's basically saying that, you know the only thing that settles me on this? The only thing that keeps me settled and anchored and steady is knowing that your word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. And it's even more than that. It's even better than that. I like how one commentator said it. What got him through his afflictions was, listen, his lifelong habit of reading, marking, learning, meditating upon, spiritually digesting, and above all, obeying God's Word. That's how. God's Word is what gets us through. I, I say it, it's not a play on words. I hope you don't mind. It's the Word of God and the God of the Word. You know, I've had occasion over the years in my Christian life to read books that I knew the author. And I mean, it just, it changed everything. I'm reading the book, and I know, I have a personal relationship with the author. I know very well the author who wrote that book. And so I'm reading their book, and I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, I, I remember that, or I could see that, or yeah, I, I, I see that. And so you're, you're reading the book of the author who wrote it, and you know the author who wrote the book, well how much more so is that true with the Word of God? When you have a personal relationship with the God of the Word, and then you read the Word of God, you know personally and intimately the author. And here's the thing, and this is one of the things early in my Christian walk that 
I heard someone say it, and it always stuck with me. When you're reading God's Word, there are things in the Word of God, because it's alive, that only God knows about you. Only God could know that about me. And so as I'm reading the Word of God, and I'm digesting the Word of God, as I'm meditating upon the Word of God, what happens is, let me explain it like this, maybe more simply. You get into the Word, and then the Word gets into you. You get into the Word, and the Word gets into you. And then you start noticing just how powerful the Word of God can be in your life. So here's a a practical example. So you spend time with the Lord in the morning. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. And you're spending time in the Word, and the Word is getting into you. And you're meditating on the Word, and there's that Word fitly spoken. And I mean, Lord, only you know that about me. And here it is in your Word, and this is a specific Word here in your Word. And then you go about your day, and then at two o'clock in the afternoon, something happens. And the Lord will bring to your remembrance by the Holy Spirit that place where you were in His Word. And it's almost like this, the Lord saying, hey, this is that. That is, aren't you glad that you spent time in the Word, because now here you are in this meeting, and had you not had time in the Word, you would have been ill-prepared for that which was prepared for you today. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Now, you know, let me just, I don't want to go too far off on this. (laughs) I always do. I'll try not to. I feel so sorry for pastors who have lost confidence in the power of God's Word. So instead of teaching and preaching the Word, they'll teach about the Word. And because they've lost confidence in the Word, they'll try to kind of make it more relevant, more hip, like they have to make it interesting. You know, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got in the early days when I entered into the ministry was when I had a brother in Christ tell me, um, just be who God has called you to be, okay? Uh, You don't have to get people's attention. You don't have to keep people's attention. The Holy Spirit does that. I mean, what a pressure on pastors today to keep everything moving. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website 
at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.